This is All Christian. I am Josh Caps, and you are listening to episode four. Here we go. Decided to title this episode To Believe or Not to Believe, because that is the question when it comes to Christianity as a whole, I think. Um, it comes to a lot of things. People really decide who you are and who you aren't based on who, what you believe and what you believe about yourself. Um, that goes for people who are members of the Christian faith and who are not. I mean, you make decisions based on what you believe. What you believe to be right, what you believe to be wrong. Because believe it or not, that's different for a lot of people. Um, I definitely want to get into how a lot of people in the church are affected by lack of belief. Lack of belief ends up affecting your relationship with God. You, you miss a whole nother level that you can reach because of your lack to believe in, in his promises. Um, people don't. People go their whole lives as Christians and they never operate within the supernatural. They go their whole lives as Christians not realizing the power they have um, when they pray. And they go their entire life not knowing the intimacy they can reach with, with God. And I've said this before, with, without an intimate relationship with your Lord Jesus Christ as a Christian, Christianity boils down to just reading a book every day and existing. If you don't hit intimacy within your relationship, you miss out on so much that is available to you as a Christian. Um, if you... Another thing that will cause you to miss a lot of the opportunities that come with being a Christian is your ability, your inability to sustain your resist sin. Your inability to resist sin causes you to miss intimacy with Christ. That lack of intimacy with Christ leads to you being unfulfilled within your Christian walk. So all of these things are super, super important. And a lot of pastors that I've seen kind of just write the, write this off. And I've got some articles here that I don't, I'm not going to read the whole article to you, but I definitely want to hit on some points within the articles that I found. Cause of course, every time I come to something, every time I come to a topic, I want to know what the opposite view of that topic is. So I think that you should completely dive into belief in that goes for every aspect of, of the Bible, whether it's miracles, whether it's speaking in tongues, all these things that we hear about in the Bible are obtainable. You can, you don't perform them, but God performs these things through you and you have access to all these things. A lot of people don't believe that way. A lot of people think certain things were meant for biblical times and those things don't happen anymore. Or if they do happen, they're very, very limited you know, they, they put God in this box and they only allow him to do what they believe he can do. And that's why belief is so important. And the lack of belief is so important because it affects your walk as a Christian. Um, I don't want to get into, I kind of already, with episode three, talked a lot about the atheism thing. So to believe or not to believe this episode is not going to be about to believe in God or not to believe in God. It's, this is, let's get past that fact if you're if you're listening to this, get in the mindset. Um, as a Christian, 
you obviously believe in God, otherwise you wouldn't be a Christian. So now we're going to go into the things that you should believe as a Christian. You should believe, of course, Jesus Christ died for you. That goes with being a Christian. If you don't believe that, then you, you technically aren't even a Christian. So we're going to get into some big ones. We're going to get into some miracle topics. We're going to get into everything that comes with that as well as your belief in God's ability to perform on his promises and then the belief in yourself, how you should believe in yourself as a Christian. And that goes to being able to not sin. A lot of people don't believe that you cannot sin. And they use evidence for this saying, you know, we were born into sin. It's because of the fall of man that we can't sin. Well, Jesus was entirely a man, entirely God, and he was able to not sin, even through intense temptation. And Jesus says, you will even do greater works than me. Now, some people have different interpretations of that. I like to take the Bible at face value. If he's not, to me, he's not just talking about miracles and casting out demons and all these things, but he's talking about the ability to, to live you know, the ability to live outside of sin. You have that ability. It's hard, but you have that ability. So let's, let's get into this. I want to uh, talk about some of these articles I read. So one of them I found at uh, www.summit.org. Just came upon it. I just kind of Googled uh, why Christians don't believe in miracles. And the article title is, Why Don't Christians Do Miracles Today? And I kind of just have a little piece of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but apparently Tim Barnett is the guy who is brought up in this and he is uh, interpreting John 14. I don't know who Tim Barnett is and as of reading this article, I don't like him very much. Tim explains how if we look at the rest of the New Testament and the early church, we find that no one actually believed all Christians were supposed to perform miracles. Instead, Tim argues it makes more sense to interpret Jesus' words to mean that we, believers in Christ, would do greater works than he did in the sense that we will take his message to more people as a whole than he did in his ministry, considering that Jesus' ministry was concentrated in a small area. All right. So Tim has obviously chosen the latter of today's subject, not to believe. He does not think Christians as a whole were all called to perform miracles. I don't agree with this at all. And here is my reasoning why. Tim has decided to take a piece of the Bible and translate it into what he feels is appropriate. He's, he's not twisting Jesus' words, I don't think. And it's not super negative. I mean... He's, it's not a crazy way to translate that. But like I said a minute ago, I like to take the Bible at face value. Otherwise, we turn reading the Bible into this game of, well, I think it meant this and I think it meant that and all these different things. And that's where you get all these different doctrines from. But if you read the Bible just straight up, I mean, it's not complicated. Some things don't make sense for sure. But overall, the Bible is not a complicated book. If you just read it for face value, if you decide to spin every little thing into your own translation, yeah, it can get pretty complicated and you can get misconstrued in a lot of ideas, which I think is kind of what's going on with Tim here. 
he decides to turn greater works into something that wasn't necessarily works is you're going to spread my message at a bigger volume than I did. It kind of sucks that he's doing this. It's it uh, kind of reflects the weakness in his personality. I'd say like he's not very bold, and he's not willing to take this Christianity thing by the horns. I'm sure Tim Barnett's like a super nice guy and all, but I definitely don't agree with this this twist on this verse. And one argument I would throw at this from a Christian standpoint: if you're not a Christian, it's not gonna make sense because if you argue Christian topics. Not as a Christian, you can't use the Bible to back up things you say. I am a Christian. Obviously, Tim Barnett is some type of uh, pastor or something like that. So I'm going to argue from this point, and I hope that it kind of makes sense. 1 Corinthians 1.20 Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish of the wisdom of the world? The claim that greater works in John 14 means we should be preaching at a higher volume is the wisdom of the world in my opinion God's wisdom is higher than the wisdom of the world 1 Corinthians one twenty. that's basically summing that up Tim is not summing up John 14 he's completely changing what it could potentially mean I think Jesus did mean hey I've healed these guys I've done this stuff through God you know God did this through me um, you guys can do this too, if not greater things than even this. That's what it means to me. And if you don't believe that, the excitement of of Christianity kind of becomes less. It's less exciting. Miracles, um, casting out demons, doing all these crazy things that Jesus did, that's exciting. And to believe that you will not be able to do that, for one, you don't do that. It, it is not by your own power in any way, shape, or form that you are able to do these things. You are only allowing yourself to be a conduit for God to work through. So, when Christ, Christ isn't really saying, you will do greater works. He's saying, God will use you. God will do even greater works through you, right? And I don't think that's a misconception. Extrusion of, of what Jesus is saying because we can't we can't do miracles on our own. You can't do miracles if you are not a Christian. It it wouldn't make sense. Another thing I wanted to get to is uh testimonies. The power of the testimony is so 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 big. God is not a respecter of man, so what he does for one guy, he can do for someone else. And I definitely believe in that. I love to listen to testimonies, I love to listen to stories. All of it is just so inspirational. From listening to other Christian stories, you know that. Uh, I watched Bobby Connors the other day. At, um, at I watched him in my living room, but on Bethel TV, and he did a uh, he did a sermon at Bethel. It was really really good, and so I that's why I wanted to hit the power of the testimony. Bobby Connors is a crazy guy. Um, he's got some crazy crazy stories. Of just a few examples. His origin story is that uh, his dad had some type of uh, mental illness. And his mother thought that he, her baby would have that same illness. The baby being Bobby Connors. So she tried to give herself an abortion with a coat hanger. And uh, Bobby Connors claims that she put the coat hanger up inside of her to rip out 
Bobby Connors as a as a baby inside the womb, and God moved the hanger or moved Bobby Connors out of the way, and so it wouldn't hurt him. Um, and he claims to remember this experience as a, a fetus, as a small baby inside the womb. He remembers this. A lot of people, I feel, would hear this story and just call bullcrap. Like, there's no way that that's true. So that's where we get into to believe or not to believe. The power in non-belief is nothing. There's no power in not believing. The power in believing is that you then believe that God is capable of something of that. So then you get to open up your own horizons and allow God to operate supernaturally inside your own existence. So I choose to believe that story. Here's why. Because I believe God can do something like that. I believe God still does miracles today. And that he's actually involved every single day in my life. And in anyone's life that chooses to let him be involved. If you choose not to believe a story like that, you're saying God can't possibly do something like that. Um, for whatever reason. For, Tim, for Tim's reason, he doesn't believe that anybody who were Christians in the early church actually were believed that they were all supposed to perform miracles. That doesn't make any sense to me. If Jesus died, gave us the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit lives in us, so effectively God and Jesus live inside of you, how are you not capable of performing miraculous signs and wonders? I don't know. That, that doesn't make sense to me. Like I feel like you should be able, not that you should and have to do those things to, to use them as an example that you are in right standing with God, but that those things can happen to you. So the other article I wanted to get into was this one called those, those quotation testimonies in quotation regarding miracles. So it's already kind of putting uh, the testimonies of this in, in kind of a bad light. And, uh, one thing I took out of there, the whole article didn't really didn't make sense. It was going over like these stories and then like excuses of why these stories could happen that they're not real using, you know, they could have been fabricated. They could have been uh, hallucinations or misunderstandings of what was going on. Just kind of poking holes in these, these various testimonies it had. And so this one segment I pulled out says, the biblical argumentation clearly establishes the reality that supernatural phenomena served a specific and limited role in the divine scheme of redemption and that miraculous experiences therefore are no longer operative today i read that and i was like what no longer operative today that makes no sense to me in the old covenant God and his people were always separate because they can never retain the level of righteousness that it took to be in the presence of God. And God knew this. Um, he, he established the law and it was like, if you just followed the law, then you would obtain righteousness. But no one could obtain righteousness, even if they followed all the laws because of their conscience, right? Jesus says, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. So no one, even Paul says, his conscience was the only thing that kept him from obtaining 
complete righteousness. That's why Jesus is so important. Because when you accept Jesus into your heart, you're washed completely clean. That means your mind is actually completely washed in the blood of Jesus. So you're actually able now to operate with a clean conscience through the power of Christ. That's completely supernatural. So the argument that miraculous experiences, they are no longer operative today, completely falls apart when in fact just becoming a Christian in the simplest of forms is actually a form of a miracle. It's miraculous in its own way because you are physically washed as a Christian and able to step into a life of complete righteousness because now you actually have the power to not sin. It's Then it comes down to do you believe that you actually have that power or do you not? Do you believe and walk in the idea that you can go your whole life with not actually sinning thanks to the power of Christ who washed your mind completely clean? Or do you not believe that and you just think, well, I'm constantly going to live in sin. I'm constantly going to be trapped in temptation just because of being a human and so I'm never going to be able to get out of that. But God's just going to have to forgive me every single day. Then why does the Bible tell us after Jesus comes, why does the Bible tell us to walk in holiness? Be holy. Why does it say these things if you can't obtain them? When we're talking post-covenant, we're talking after the fact that Jesus came, we are still called to walk in righteousness. If you can't actually do that, then why would the Bible ask you to do something like that? Well, maybe it's not because you can't actually do that. Maybe it's because you can actually do that. It makes it makes sense to think that God was able to transform you and bring you into a place of righteousness through an ultimate sacrifice that was his son. You know? So that's why this um, article, those testimonies regarding miracles, doesn't hold up in my opinion. Because the reality that supernatural phenomena served as a specific and limited role is just false in so, so many ways. Not only is it the way that I just explained about walking in righteousness, but when it comes to evangelism, if that's true, that if that what is, these guys are saying is true, that uh, supernatural phenomena only served a specific role in that time period, then why are so many Christians coming out and talking about all these miracles? Why is that now becoming, miraculous signs and wonders are becoming extremely mainstream within the church? Why is that happening? It, there's only one of two ways that this goes. Either this guy is full of crap that wrote the testimonies regarding miracles, or everybody else is a liar. Those are the only two ways that this thing goes. I think this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. In that, uh, excuse me, um, in that testimonies regarding miracles, this article is just full of holes. Because, you know, I'll give you a little example. And something that I battled with too, this story that happened in my life, I didn't know I didn't know whether or not to believe or not to believe. And it happened to me. I was there. Um, when I was around 10 years old, I went on a five-week mission trip to the country of the Philippines. We went to a couple islands there, one of them being the main island, Manila, and another island called Rojas that we went to. Well, we're in the, while we were at the... Uh, island of Rojas, a typhoon hit, and it wrecked a lot of houses, killed a couple people. It was really, really bad. We were there when it happened. 
Well, one of the things we did after this typhoon hit is just went around praying for all the villagers that were there in, in different villages. So we, I was walking down this dirt road, and uh, there was this guy. It was a man, a wife, and two kids, I believe. And their hut was kind of off the road a little bit. And the man was um, limping very, very badly trying to carry these two buckets of water. Um, I think he was only carrying one at the time. And he came over, and uh, we we had an interpreter there, and we asked if we could pray for him, and he said yes. And uh, I said, I obviously could see his knee was extremely swollen, and I obviously could see that his knee was messed up. And I asked him if I could pray for his knee, and he said yes. So I prayed for his knee, and I prayed healing over his knee. And nothing happened instantly. Um, So we just kind of went on our way after that. Well, as we were coming back down this mountain that we were going up and down praying for all these villagers, um, I see this guy carrying two giant buckets of water, um, each strapped on two ends of a stick and the stick put over the top of his shoulders. And he was just trucking down the mountain like he was fine. This dude was limping earlier. So that's a miracle to me. And for the longest time, I didn't believe that it actually was a miracle. I couldn't wrap my head around the idea that I actually prayed for someone and there was a healing that took place within that person. I just kind of put it off. But I was really young when it happened to me. Like I said, I was 10 years old, so that was 11 years ago. Um, and it didn't make, it's not like it didn't make sense to me. In my, in my mind, I believed that God could do stuff like that, but I didn't believe, he'd never done it through me. And so I think in my mind, I decided, well, if he'd never done it through me, then it probably didn't happen. But it did. It obviously did. Logically looking at it, it did. And you could scientifically explain whatever you want away. But the truth is, something happened. And I choose to believe that God made that happen. So all the stories you've ever heard, all the testimonies you've ever heard, I would encourage you to choose to believe in them. Even if, even if you're not totally sure, other than the fact if they go completely against biblical principles, right? Like, I don't know, use, use your imagination, but something that wouldn't line up with the Bible, I would not choose to believe in that because it's probably not true. Um, but another, going back to Bobby Connors, I mean, he had all these, these crazy stories. Like he had one that he was in an airport and he fell asleep and he heard this like growling noise. Like a dog, he said. And uh, he opens his eyes in this witch. He says it was a witch who was circling him and growling. Already the story sounds extremely far-fetched. Um, circling him and growling. And he flicks his hand at her. And she is picked up off the floor and thrown across the room. That's what he claims. Whether you... now, Now it's time to decide... Do we believe or do we not believe? What happens if we believe this story? We believe that Bobby Connors flicked his wrist and through the power of God inside of him, this woman who was a witch was thrown across the room. Well, it lines up with biblical principles in this sense. When Jesus dealt with demonic influences in his walks, things happened in the natural world all the time. When he cast out the demons and they went into all those pigs and they all ran off a cliff. The the supernatural world affected the natural world in a negative way. So I choose that, yeah, 
that could happen. This woman could have been possessed, you know, any any number of things. And through the conflict that happened within the spirit, you know, God God coinciding inside Bobby Connors and then him throwing the the witch across the room, that's where the supernatural and the physical come into contact. And so I choose to believe that story. Um, there's a lot of other stories out there like that. But then it goes both ways, to believe or not to believe the good stories and the bad stories. Catholics are have tons and tons of stories about demonic uh, encounters they have. Um, I mean, they make movies about them all the time, and they end up being really big uh, horror flicks. So a lot of those stories are based off of of true stories. Those movies are based off of true stories. So that's you have to choose to believe or not to believe those stories, supernatural stories, people's encounters with uh, with ghosts and things like that. I don't believe in ghosts for sure. I believe in uh, demonic influences on people and the ability that demons may have to to cloak themselves of something to make you pay more attention. Um, I definitely think that's a real deal. And then you all, you also have to choose just to even fathom any of this. You, I mean, you have to decide whether or not you believe that we as people are affected by demons in, in the spiritual realm. And that, I mean, not just demons, I mean the positive as well. You know, God and angels and things like that. You have to decide as a Christian if you're going to believe these things. And then I think whether you choose to or not to, then different doors are opened up for you as a Christian spiritually. A big part of your Christian walk is to understand how to operate as a spiritual being because you're not just a physical being. You are a heavenly being as well because you have Jesus inside of you. So you're different than than what you were before. So your ability to believe these things is what kind of gets you to the level of operating within those parameters. If you never believe those things, you'll never operate in those parameters because you'll never... I mean, if you don't believe something, you can't even begin to understand it if you don't believe it, right? So that's kind of what I, that's my two cents about it all. Um, I also have some scriptures on like what belief is. And uh, and they're not outright definitions for sure, but kind of how the Bible, where it's, it's things that will strengthen your belief, I guess, is where I pulled this from. But it also kind of shows you what, what belief is. So Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask for. Oh, abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So that entire verse hinges on belief. So they're of course talking about God, him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask for. Okay, if you don't believe that God can help you through prayer and whatever it is, whether it's a healing situation, whether it's your financial situation, things like that. If you don't believe that God can actually do things within the physical realm, then you're not going to be able to become a part of this type of promise. Um, and I think that's what it means. According to the power at work within us. I think power right there is... Of course, the level of Christ inside of you, right? So according to the power, 
the level that which Christ can abide in you is the level in which you allow him to. And I think that comes down to belief. The amount that you believe Christ can actually do inside of you or is inside of you, then that determines kind of what happens in, in situations. Another one, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Okay, that, again, we come to belief. He who promised is faithful. First, you have to believe that he's faithful. Otherwise, then you're not believing in his promise, and there's nothing for you to hold fast to. Um, 1 John 5, 14-15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for. That's instant belief. Like, I believe that when I approach God, that as long as I ask something according to his will, he will hear me and he will, and I know that he hears me. So whatever I asked for, he will deliver upon, basically, as long as it's according to the will of God. So how do you understand the will of God? You just read the Bible. Um, Basic, you can basically tell what God is okay with and what he's not okay with, with in the constraints of, of the word. First Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. This is another big one that uh, kind of gets me going is that Christians say they believe, they trust in God and they believe in God and they believe he can do all these things, but yet they don't trust him with basic things like finances or uh, well-being or even complicated things like decisions that go on inside their life. They don't even give a second thought to what God thinks about those things because they're fine and dandy with God operating within his within his box that they've given him. You know, he's, he's for Sundays and Wednesday nights. And my life is, is a uh, byproduct of my decisions. And God doesn't really have a big part in that. Well, I definitely think that thinking is completely wrong, that God has a huge part in every part of your life. And you should trust him with your finances. You should trust him with your family. You should trust him with your job, all these things. And if you're not operating in God's will, in God's plan, in these things, then they're not, not that they're going to be bad. Like not that you're going to lose your job or go bankrupt and all these things, but you don't get to see the fulfillment to the highest level of all of those things. Like trusting God with your finances, that's such a big deal that uh, not a lot of people do and have problems with for sure. Tithing is a big one. Um, Not all Christians tithe. They don't see that they should have to, and they definitely should. Not because they have to, but because you're putting your trust in God. And then giving, too. Giving is a big one. Like I heard this story from Chris Valton one time. It's one of my favorite stories. And it comes from one of his books uh, on uh, the poverty spirit. And uh, the story goes, he was, uh, I forget what he was doing. I think he was praying about um, getting his house paid off or something like that. And a man came up to him after a service and had a check. Or no, came up to him after a service and said, hey, I want to pay your, your house off. You know, I will write whatever the number is you tell me, I'll pay it off. And he was, Chris Walton was like, nope, you're not doing this because it could look really, really bad that 
he could be like Chris Walton's taking money from people and all this stuff and he was just really worried about what other people would think about it and the guy said look alright I don't care what your problem is with this I was praying um, and I'm going to buy this very large yacht and I was I was going to go buy it and God stopped me and told me that I could not buy this yacht until I paid your house off so I want my boat just let me pay your little house off and we'll, we'll go on our way and I don't ever want to see I don't ever have to see you again after this and Chris Valton prayed about it and prayed about it and he was like okay I'll let you do it well the guy completely paid his house off 100% so that testimony right there that God could take complete control of your financial situation, I choose to believe that testimony. Why? Well, I think it's backed up biblically. Um, if you look at Jesus when they had to pay the tax or whatever, and he told one of the disciples, well, just so we don't offend anybody, go ahead and go down on the river. There's a fish in there. Grab that fish, open its mouth, there'll be some gold coins in there, and we'll pay this tax. That's backed up biblically. Is that not almost the same story? There's a need, right? A Christian has a need financially. And they put their trust in God and then it is completed, it is fulfilled. That need is fulfilled. They no longer have that need. Is that prosperity gospel? No, that's not prosperity gospel. Being a Christian is not going to make you rich at all. This is not a prosperity gospel podcast. We don't say that. We do say that if God decides to help you financially or if you pray and ask for something as long as it's according to God's will like we just read then it will be produced and you should have ultimate faith that that will happen you should believe that God will produce the answer to your problem no matter what alright and if you don't believe that then I don't know what makes you want to be a Christian the idea that uh if you don't believe that God can operate within your life every single day, then your want or desire for Christianity doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it's just like every other religion out there. Other than the fact you may not have, like there's not like a hundred gods or if Islam, you don't have to do all these certain things, you know, things like that. Maybe that's why you, you just wanted to be a religious person. And so Christianity seemed like the easiest one for you. So that's what you chose. I... That would be the only other way I, I would see that you would want to be a Christian. But for me, Christianity has always been based, why I'm a Christian is always based on way more than just, you know, wanting to be a religious person. I want the intimate relationship. I want God to be involved in my day to day. I want to see crazy miracles. All those things are super important to me because I want what everything that Christianity has to offer. I don't believe that Christianity was one thing when the Bible was written and it is now a completely different thing. No way. It doesn't change. God doesn't change his mind, you know? So I think for sure that he wants to do amazing and awesome things in you every single day as much as you're willing to let him do those things. And that's why belief or non-belief is so important because that is kind of how you decide whether or not you're going to let God operate. He's only going to do as much as you allow him to. So if you decide to believe everything, then potentially everything is could be part of your life. If you decide to only believe in certain things, then only those certain that's as far as you're going to get. 
is your level of belief for those things. You know, I think belief definitely hinders, like I've said, hinders your relationship with God. And ultimately, as a Christian, I think that's going to hinder your level of satisfaction and happiness that you get out of your walk with Christ. You're not going to be a super happy, wanting to do all this stuff Christian if you don't believe in the God of the New of the New Testament. You know, if you don't believe that God wants to be with you every single day and He wants to spend time with you and He loves you, then why, like? Why would you want to be a Christian? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, I think that brings us to the end here. This was all Christian.